One announcement as we began this morning, those who make up the Sunday School Church Council are reminded of your meeting at 4.30 this afternoon over in the chapel. Hope you'll remember that. In the fellowship hall, I stand corrected. This morning, I'd like to read for our scripture a verse from 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. May we pray? Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this day. We pray that as we enter this period of worship, that we will enter with an attitude of love and adoration, Father, because of your love for us. Father, we pray that you would forgive us this morning of our sinfulness and all the many ways that we fail you. We pray that you'll give us wisdom and courage and a desire to do your will. Lord, speak to us today through your word as proclaimed by your messenger. Guide us throughout this service and may your will be done. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.
Father, we do gladly come before you, adoring you and praising your name. And Father, we come here this morning like lost sheep with so many burdens of heart, so many problems in our lives, and we look in so many places. We just ask, Lord, that you would humble our hearts, prepare our hearts to receive your word, that we may look to you for the answers and give you the praise. Be with Dr. McIntyre as he brings us a message. Use him as your servant, Lord, so we'll give you the praise in your son's name. Amen. It is wonderful to be together and to be able to share our faith and feel the support of our faith, one with another, and certainly our love in Christ. If you're visiting this morning, if you will lift your hand, certainly don't want to embarrass you, but if you are visiting, we're more than happy to have you in our fellowship and want you to receive a card that the deacons have for you this morning. If you'll fill out that card and place it in the offering plate, then we can be of service and of ministry and certainly Christian fellowship with you if you're sincerely interested in our fellowship and our work here for Jesus Christ. Again, a welcome to all in the telecast as well as in our service here in the sanctuary. We'd like to take this time to announce uh, two deaths in our church family. We are sad to announce that this morning at 2 o'clock in the hospital, Wilbur Wade passed away and he will be at the North Chapel. Uh, the service will be Tuesday afternoon. Specific details will be announced tonight as we meet with the family this afternoon. That's J. Wilbur Wade passed away this morning at 2 o'clock. He and his wife were in service last Sunday morning as they always are. And so I'm sure you will share in love and prayer for Mildred and the family. Then in the Camp family, that's Mrs. Minnie Lee Camp, their granddaughter, Jenny Lee Simpson, passed away, and that is in Huntsville, Alabama. So we take this time to share these with you this morning. Hymn 350 is Lead Me to Calvary. We'll sing stanzas one and four. Hymn 350.
darkness Jesus found me touched my eyes and made me see broke sin's chains that long had bound me gave me life and liberty Save a soul like mine Through all my days and then in heaven above My song of silence never I'll worship him forever And praise him for his glorious truth to ponder he whom angel hosts attend Lord of heaven God's son what wonder he became the sinner's friend oh, love of Christ my Lord divine that made him stoop to save a soul like mine through all my days and then in heaven above my song will silence ever I'll worship him forever and praise him for his glorious love and praise him for his glorious love and praise him for his glorious love Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see, broke sin's chains that bound me, gave me life and liberty. Gave me life and liberty. The scripture passage this morning is in the 12th chapter of the Roman letter. Romans, the 12th chapter, and the first two verses. 
This becomes the text for our message this morning under the title of Sharing the Gospel of Jesus. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And again this morning I share and read from the New International Version translation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us pray. Our Father, there's joy in our hearts because of the remembrance in days past of all your glorious goodness. We rejoice in the present knowledge of how much you care and love. We rejoice, dear Lord, that we can come even now and pray for families in sorrow, knowing that you touch sorrowing hearts and bring comfort. We pray for those who have special needs this hour, in the hospital or the nursing home or at home, for those who travel. We pray, dear Lord, that in each case, in each life, in each family, as we present each need to you, that you will touch each life with that which is perfect for them and for us. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come to your house today to worship. We rejoice, dear Lord, in the strength and the comfort and the direction that comes to our lives because you let us have fellowship with our Christian brothers and sisters. We rejoice already and our hearts sing because of the beauty of music already in this hour. And so, Father, we would come to thank you for that. Thank you for Robert leading us today in our music. We pray to bless him. Now guide our lives, speak to us through your word, cause us to see some aspect of our lives in your kingdom more clearly than we ever have before, and help us to be the people who love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
men, you'll want to join us for our men's chorus in the evening worship tonight, and also Missionary Ralph, yours will be singing special music. You'll want to hear that as well. Um, I can't even pronounce the name of the composer. I think it must be Chinese. Hymn 352 is I Am Thine, O Lord. We'll sing the first and the fourth stanzas. Children following the fourth stanza will have our children's sermon. You'll want to come and join the pastor here on the steps. Hymn 352. <laughs> something here in my hand. I want to kind of show it around to you like this. Uh, any of you have any idea in the world what this little what what this little book is? It's all about anybody know? Hmm? A passport. That's exactly what it is. This is a United States of America passport. And I'll tell you that's one of the most important and valuable documents an American citizen can have. This happens to be one that's out of date. I, I didn't bring the current one, it's locked up somewhere, but this is one that uh, is now out of date, but one that, one that I've had an opportunity to use. A passport's got any number of things. Uh, first, it's got the picture, you see, there's my picture, picture of the person that, uh, Here's it, and then all kinds of vital information here. And then it states that uh, the bearer is a citizen of the United States. And it says, the Secretary of State of the United States of America hereby request all whom it may concern to permit the citizen, the national of the United States named herein to pass without delay or hindrance and in case of need to give all lawful aid and protection. And I want to tell you, boys and girls, this is a very important document. Now, we're fortunate enough to live in a country in the United States that when we travel, 
in the United States, we don't have to have one of these passports. In other words, you can go from Tennessee to Georgia or from Tennessee to Kentucky or from Tennessee to California or to Texas. You can travel into different states here in the United States and you don't need a passport. Now there are some countries in the world where you have to carry legal papers just to travel like that inside their country, but thank goodness we don't have to do that. But this is an important document. The pages here you see are stamped there, and, and the, what the stamps are, some of them are what we call visas. That is, when you want to go to a foreign country, you have to send your passport to the embassy or to the consulate of that foreign country and say, I'd like to visit your country. And then if they decide that they'll let you inside their country, then they'll stamp a visa in it. This is a visa that happens to be, well, let's see, this one is for the Republic of China. And then I have a visa over here for Korea. And they, oh, there are several different countries. And then when you get to a foreign country, generally an airplane, a good long ride, and you get off the airplane and you go to a get in line, you know, have to get, in li get lined up, do everything. You line up and you go in front of the passport control officer and you stand in line and when you, it's your time, you go up and you present your passport to that officer. That is legally the border, the boundary of that foreign country. So he takes your passport and will open it, look to see if it's the same picture. And sometimes they have trouble recognizing whether or not it's you, you know, with the picture that's there. But they'll look, you know, they'll look at you and then they'll look at the picture. Then they'll flip over to see if their particular visa has been stamped in, which gives permission to go in the country. And if they think, I'm okay, then they stamp there and they say, okay, you can come on in. And so for a certain number of days, then I can be in that foreign country. So a passport is a very, very important document. And when you do go overseas into foreign countries, you don't ever want to lose this passport because it is very, very valuable. Now, this is important. And it's good to travel and you cannot travel overseas without a passport. That is just very important and very vital. But boys and girls, there is another kind of passport for the world in which we live that I want to talk about. And that is, in many places all around us, there are people who just really are not sure whether or not they want to be our friend or not, whether or not they like us or not, or whether they want us to be with them or not. And do you know what the best kind of passport you and I can have? Not like this. This is important to go to a foreign country, but the best passport any of us can have is a good smile. It is absolutely amazing what a smile will do. You can go up to some folks 
and they're kind of grumpy, you know, looking like that. And if you just look back at them in the same way, you're kind of, hmm, like that, you know, that, that's no good. But have you ever noticed that when you go up to somebody and you smile, you really smile, what do they normally do? They'll smile back, won't they? Sure. A smile is one of the finest passports anywhere. And then we have a custom over here in our country that I think is a good custom too. And that is when you go up to somebody, you reach out your hand, you shake hands with them. That's a friendly gesture. By the way, do you know where that custom came from, reaching out your hand to shake hands with somebody like that? You know where? A long time ago, they used to um, have knives and to see if they were robbers, they stuck out their hands. That's exactly right, exactly right. It was to show somebody that you didn't have a knife or a gun or a weapon in your hand. See? And you reached out your hand, and when you smile, that's a passport to a good friendship. So, boys and girls, for this whole week now, I want you to carry your passport. Smile. Smile at your folks, smile at your teachers, maybe hard at times, but do it. <laughs> smile at your friends, smile at your brothers and sisters, mm. smile. Can you smile at me? Can you? All right, now I want to do one other thing. Look right over here at this camera, and I'll bet they're going to turn that red light on, and it's on. And that means that that particular camera is working. Everybody look right in that camera and smile good and big. Do that? Now, thousands of folks have seen you out all around the way, and that's your passport to new friends out there. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You give us opportunities to go places and to do things and to make new friends. Father, help us always to have our passport, the smile that comes from inside us, the smile that comes from the fact that we know Jesus and that we love and follow him. Bless these boys and girls. Give them new and wonderful experiences to cross many boundaries in their lives and help them always with the passport of Christian love to serve you. Bless the offerings that have been brought to your house today, and these that will now be placed before you. Bless and use for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
sharing the gospel of Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus. The scripture passage that we shared a bit ago on the 12th chapter of the letter to the Romans is a high watermark, it's a high mountain peak of good advice to the Christian. You will remember that in the first 11 chapters of this letter, Paul is dealing basically with doctrine. It is a strong, powerful, challenging statement of doctrine. And for one to be well grounded in the basics of the Christian faith, you need to read over and over and over again the first 11 chapters of the Roman letter. Then, chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore. Anytime you happen on that word in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles, in the letters, you need to back up and say, wait a minute, therefore, means that what has been said previously is the foundation for what is now going to be said. The doctrinal uh, affirmation that comes to us in the first 11 chapters then presents to us with that hinge word, therefore, we have the beginning of the very practical application in the Christian life. The first 11 chapters are vital. We really cannot respond in the highest way to the challenge that is given to us in chapters 12 through 16. We cannot really get into the outward aspects of the Christian life until we spend some time firming up the inward aspects as described in the first 11 chapters. You see, Christian living is based on Christian believing. It is amazing how often we get that backwards. A lot of folks think that simply if you can do enough good, quote, Christian kinds of things, that then everything's just going to be okay, and everything else will just take care of itself. But that's missing the point entirely. Sometimes I think that we are guilty as Christians in expecting too much of Christian kind of behavior from people who are not Christian by belief. For you see, 
Christian living grows out of Christian believing. If you don't act right, we can nearly always trace it back to the fact that there's something... don't believe right about. Christian living is based on Christian believing. You see, that's the reason why it is so important that you and I determine that we will spend some time with God every day. You say, well, you can't escape God. He's everywhere. He's the omnipresent in, in every, every place we go. There's, there is no place without... Well, that's true. But it is also true that you can spend a day or a week or a month or a year or a decade in the presence of God but be blind to Him, deaf to Him, insensitive to his presence, unfeeling. Yes, it's possible that you can even read on occasion the Word of God, but it really doesn't say much to you. All of us have had those dry spells in our lives. What we believe comes out of the choice, close, intimate experiences that we have with God as we spend some quiet time reading his word, praying, seeking to know what his will is for us, seeking directions, trying to find some answers, asking for strength, As you believe about Jesus, so will be your life. What you think about Jesus will determine the kind of vocabulary you're comfortable with or uncomfortable with, the kind of conduct that's routine. What you believe about Jesus finds an expression in your life in a thousand different little ways every day. There are many ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Certainly, the gospel, the good news about Jesus is to be shared by word. We are vocal creatures. We can speak. 
we can hear the word of God is to be proclaimed, it is to be taught, it is to be sung. The word of God is vital and important, and everybody, everywhere, ought to say a good word for Jesus. We do it formally in the worship service, and that often that we call the preaching hour. We do it in the Sunday school class. We do it as we share together around topics of interest in the church training hour, as we study our missions, activities, and mission work. The Word. Using the Word. Using your vocabulary. Using your vocal cords to speak for Jesus, to say a good word for Jesus, to share with somebody about what Jesus means to you and who Jesus is to you. We share Jesus by word. We share Jesus by our deeds. There are some folks who seek to live their Christian lives as though the Bible were simply a book of rules and nothing more and nothing less. For the most part, that kind of life is not a very happy life and for the most part, not a very attractive kind of Christian life. But that does not negate at all the fact that it is by our deeds as well as our words that we are known, in fact, maybe more so. For when our deeds contradict our words, then it is we give a lie to whatever our testimony would be about the Master. We are able to share the good news about Jesus Christ in the giving of our money. Money is still a magic carpet that makes possible the purchase of paper, the printing of Bibles, the translation into different languages, the preparation of Bible study curriculum material, the sending of missionaries. Yes, money. Money is an important way. What we do with our money, where we invest our money, how we share our money, where we seek to use our money. There are a good many wonderful avenues and channels open and available to the Christian. If that Christian is interested in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost world. But the greatest way, the greatest way to share the good news about Jesus is simply to demonstrate in our lives that Jesus is living in us. To demonstrate in the midst of our own personal grief that Jesus does comfort. To demonstrate in the midst of our times of crisis or trauma that Jesus is real and that he makes good on every promise. 
Paul, in writing to the Romans, Paul is saying to them, I want to, I want to give you, he says, on the basis of, of the doctrine that he'd been talking about the first 11 chapters in the Roman letter, on the basis of all of this, he comes to that magnificent therefore. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this old world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul lays out for the Roman Christians, and now that good advice for almost 2,000 years comes down to the time, to the generation in which we live, and to Brainerd Baptist Church and to those of us who are gathered in this sanctuary. Paul continues to deliver his message to us that there are, he gives us five good suggestions about ways that we can share the good news about Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, share the good news about Jesus by using your bodies properly. Present yourself a living sacrifice. From the moment that Jesus Christ, the only begotten and eternal Son of God, died on Calvary's cross. From the very moment when just as he had uttered, it is finished. From that moment, for the rest of eternity, there is no additional death, sacrifice, called for. That's it. Jesus died that we might live. Paul says, therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Years ago, I heard Bill O'Brien, who at that time was music missionary in Indonesia, now the executive vice president of our foreign mission board, Bill O'Brien, in speaking about this text said, I'll tell you, present yourself a living sacrifice. God was really giving us sort of a, a, a way out of things, he says, because a living sacrifice can wiggle off the altar mighty easy. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your dying will not accomplish redemption for you or anybody else, but your living properly, your living in right relationship to Jesus, 
your living with eternal values translated into the way you extend your hands, into the way that you look, into the way that you handle your body, in the way that you relate to others, in all the relationships of life. Paul says, on the basis of the doctrine that is ours and holy and sacred, doctrine that you believe, the bedrock of your faith, on the basis of that, therefore, you live in the world in your time and in your age and in your generation. Live as though you were a sacrifice to God himself. And though we're not called upon to die, we are called upon to live and to live with the same devotion of sacrifice that Jesus extended to us in his death on Calvary's cross. Harder to live for Christ, one has written, than to die for him. That may be true. Our bodies, unregenerate, must be subdued and must be conquered and must be refined. God, in his eternal plan of creation, in the marvels of the creative activity, God created this human body your human body, marvelous beyond understanding. All of the doctors gathered together in one place from the earliest centuries until this century when great advances in medical science are going on. All the doctors gathered in one spot could never explain in full the wonder of these bodies, design, shape, fashion, created by God himself, magnificent instruments. And it's our joy then as Christians, as we learn how in, the, in being disciples of Jesus, as we discipline our bodies, we learn to present our bodies as living sacrifices, using our bodies. Our bodies often fight against the spirit. Paul talked about his battles. But we're reminded that these very bodies that are ours are temples of the Holy Spirit of God. For in the very moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit who had been dealing with you and bringing conviction to you of your sin and the need for a Savior, then that Holy Spirit, when you accepted Jesus Christ by faith, took up residence inside your body. I don't know all that means, but you are a temple of God, a house of God. There's not a person in this room who, if upon entering this room this morning, were to find that some vandal or group of vandals had come before us into this beautiful place and had scattered garbage, and filth, and debris, and had written graffiti all over the beautiful walls, and had broken the lights, and had damaged the pulpit, and had torn the Bible apart. We would have come into the room and looked at the garbage dump that had been a gorgeous sanctuary, and we would cry out immediately, find them, and punish them. 
for such sacrilege, for such blasphemy. Your body is more the temple of God than this beautiful room. And any time that you or any time that I allow the body that is the creation of God to be tainted in sin and subdued by sin and controlled by sin in any way, any fashion, or any form so that we are comfortable with it, then we let this temple of God be dirty. And the Holy Spirit of God deserves better. We cannot conquer these bodies by monasticism, as monks have tried to do, or by mutilation, as some of the heathen try to do, but by surrendering our bodies to Jesus Christ. Paul says, therefore, present your bodies. Therefore, I urge you, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, for some of you in this room, that might mean that you need to re-examine the physical location of your body. That is, are you living where God wants you to live? It just might be that for some of you in this room, God wants you to live in Africa, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It just might be, Brother Ralph, yours, in the battle that you fought at some point in your life, in the surrender of where you would put your body. And he made the decision Hong Kong would be, where he would serve the master, sharing the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Present your bodies a living sacrifice means that you might have to pull up roots, that you might have to pack your bags, that you might have to relocate if you're really going to present your body as a living sacrifice. You say, wait a minute, preacher, that's really sort of pushing it too far. No, not at all. For presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice means a willingness to put the body wherever God wants it to be, for his service. We can share the gospel, the good news in our conduct. He says, be ye transformed. How do we do that? The little toys that have been so popular the last few years, those two oldest grandchildren of mine, those grandsons, those little transformer toys, ingenious things, my stars above. I like to play with those things myself. They're great. What looks to be one thing, you fiddle around with it and twist it, and it's transformed into something else. Now, in that spiritual sense, we are not to be like the world in which we live, taking our values from the world, but we are to be transformed. We are to give the appearance of Christ in the midst of a world. The lost world will make allowances for our mistakes, but it'll never make allowances if our motives are low or come from the wrong place. Inward change happens, then we have the outward change. Renewed minds will do two things. A renewed mind will find the will of God, and then how best to do the will of God. 
How do we share the good news? We share it in our ideals. Be not conformed to this world. Our pattern must not be the world. Our pattern must be Jesus Christ. We are to follow him. And the world is looking at you, and the world is looking at me, the world in the eyes of our neighbors who are not Christians, the people with whom we work who are not Christians. They're looking at us to see if we really, genuinely, earnestly, and honestly believe what we say we believe by living like Jesus. We can share Jesus in the world in which we live, the gospel, the good news, in the attitudes that we carry around. What are the Christian attitudes? What is a Christian's attitude? What ought it to be toward another Christian? It ought to be that of love. The entire Bible speaks of that. What ought our attitude be concerning hope and, and glory? Then it's joyful. What ought our Christian attitude to be when we are in the midst of some kind of tribulation or disturbance within our lives? It's that of patience. What ought our attitude to be toward people who don't like us, toward our enemies? Then it ought to be one of forgiveness and one of blessing. What ought to be our Christian attitude toward service? It ought to be that of zealousness and, and victory. What ought to be our Christian attitude toward the possessions that God has put in our hands? That of trusteeship. Yeah. In the world in which we live, we have a glorious opportunity to share Jesus Christ and his good news, and we share it in our service. Our service needs to be diligent, for ours is a big job. We have a big commission to carry out. I read a long time ago, and it has haunted me ever since. There are some duties that are marked today. Today. And when we let the opportunities of today slip by, they may be gone forever. In our service, sharing Christ in a lost world, we must be diligent, we must be dependable, and we must be determined that the good news of Jesus Christ will go out around the world. Sharing Jesus. You can't do it by proxy. You must do it, and you can do it, with joy. Hymn number 192, The Nail-Scarred Hand. Put your hand in the nail-scarred hand. He who died that you might live to present your body a living sacrifice. Would you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord? Let him redeem you, wash all your sins away, give you new life, give you new hope. Write your name in his book. Open the gates of heaven to you at last. If you'd accept all the gifts that Christ makes possible, then accept him as your Savior. Publicly confess him before a world and determine that you'll learn of him and out of that learning that you'll then live for him. This morning you're a Christian. You live in the Chattanooga area. Your membership is somewhere else. Listen to Paul's word. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means joining a local church and serving. And that's your privilege. 
And that's your opportunity today. As we stand and sing, Brother Doug at the front, will you come? It is so difficult, it is so hard for us to understand all that that nail-scarred hand means. But a love so big and so long that it has reached us and we thank you. Dear Lord, help us not to be silent. Silent by word, silent in deed, silent in our attitudes, silent in the life that we live, silent about the nail-scarred hand. Until we gather again in this place, grant us your peace, your encouragement, and your direction. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>